It is heavy in the room today, huh? That's okay. I was at this, uh, I was at this conference, and the, the pastor said something really brilliant. He said, you can, uh, you can keep your dignity or find your freedom. So, I know it's really intimidating to come up front and to receive prayer. And there's going to be times where we go out. Oh, th- thanks. Thanks, Ma. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just do what she says, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to come into church with a little bit of heaviness. But when you feel that and something's burdening you, Please don't hide. Please don't hide. It says in the Word of God that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We say this every time we get to to prayer room on Saturdays. (laughs) That righteousness is not something that you can earn, but it's a mantle that is given from from the life of Christ for those who would believe in him. And so whether you made a mistake or whether it's it's been an imperfect course or what however you got here, you're you're righteous. You are the righteousness of God. And, and, and so when you pray, it's powerful and effective and can bring about healing. And if you're in need, this room is filled with people who are ready to pray for you. Please cast aside your dignity and find your freedom. The enemy wants to kill us. He wants to kill us, but he wants to leave breath in our lungs. So he wants to kill everything inside of us. He wants us to not do what we're called to do. He wants to rid us of everything that is holy and beautiful and and wonderful and so that he can just leave you walking and keep breath in your lungs. We've been in this series called Scheming and that was a sobering thought that literally woke me up in the middle of the night. I was like, I need to write this down. Oh my gosh. He's scary. He's he's wicked and maniacal. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about what it, what it looks like to live life on assignment. Someone say, I got an assignment. I had to study assignment for all those who are on TikTok. I got rid of that. No, actually, I was never even a part of it. Although, I do watch Emmys every once in a while, okay? What it's like to live life on assignment. Nick, how does this tie in with Palm Sunday? Jesus was on assignment. And this week in particular, the enemy hated this week. The enemy hated this week. Do you, has anyone ever watched uh, Passion of the Christ? One thing that was an interesting detail that wasn't necessarily found in the Word, but I found was truly beautiful, was the fact that Satan was even in their midst as he's walking up to the hill. He wanted to do everything possible to stop Christ on assignment. We're not exempt from that either. He wants to stop everything he can to stop you on your assignment. Look at what the scripture says, John 10.10. What a beautiful thing it is. The thief has only come to steal, kill, and destroy. We don't like him. I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and life to the full. That is the Jesus that we worship. That is the Hosanna. That's why we shout and we praise. Because we have a God who came and saved us and has given us life so generously. Can I get an amen across the church? Yeah, that's why we're here. That's who Jesus is. This other dude, get out of here. Jesus has come so that you may have everlasting life. The enemy 
He wants to come and take every part of it. He wants to take you out of it. Prevent our loved ones from ever even stepping foot, keeping people at a distance. He wants to do everything he can to mislead and take people on different paths so that they not find the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he wants to do. He's, he's evil. Look at what Paul says. This is so cool. I love, and he's talking about forgiving people. But I love the last part of this statement. But anyone you forgive, I also forgive, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And what I have forgiven, if there anything was to forgive, or if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not, what? Outwit us. For we are not unaware of his, what? Scheme. So he's got some ways of operating that we need to become aware of and we need to stand against so that we may not be <laughs> outwitted. I don't know if that's a word, but that's what came to my mind. The devil has his schemes. But through talking about this, through prayer, through chasing after Jesus, most importantly, we'll become aware of and resist the enemy's tactics. A life chasing after Jesus, we start to see what is true and what is not true. We start to be able to see clearly what we don't partake in and what we do. That's why this is an important series to talk about. I want to encourage you real quick. Understand that there are things happening in our world that we might not be able to see. And there are things that we are fighting against. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think a political party is going to save us, and if we stand on this side, that's where the struggle. We don't like the left side or the right side, and we stand against each other, and our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against these authorities that we cannot see. I think one of the most powerful things we can do in our country is start addressing the unseen with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. No man is going to fix things. That's what we're waging war against. Flesh and blood, it's not that struggle, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have to acknowledge that there are things going on, church, that we can't see. That there are forces beyond us that are at war. If you missed week one, it's really important to understand that what Jesus did is he came, died, and rose again to trample on the authority and the power of the enemy. The enemy no longer has authority over you nor power over your life if you belong to Christ. In the end, at Jesus' second coming, that's when the enemy is decimated, gone. I was writing this message, uh, and, and, and you'll see in a little bit about my bottom line. Nick, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, here we go. As we stand with Christ, we stand on the winning side of this battle, though, church. We stand on the winning side of what is seen, what is seen in the physical, but also what is unseen around us. You have power and authority. And so today I'm talking about assignment. I use that word very particularly in our church because the, the greatest thing that I feel like we have a pursuit of is perhaps the pursuit of purpose or why. And that's a beautiful thing. And God put that in our heart. That's a great question for believers and non-believers to ask. Why am I here? What am I doing? What am I supposed to do with my life? In fact, ever since you were like two, three years old, that question was coming up all the time. What do you want to be when you grow up? Fireman? Astronaut? 
You're all about purpose and destiny and call and assignment. We've been groomed this way. And so I wanna, I wanna share a scripture with you and, and, and perhaps the bottom line today, I, I pray that this touches your heart and helps you continue on in your course. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, this is Paul talking, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Someone say the calling. The calling you have received. That can be plural. <laughs> the church has received a calling. And that can be individual. You. To walk life worthy of the calling that you yourself have received. I was writing my message and I was considering, well, actually what happened last night, or it was yesterday afternoon, I threw my message away. I was like, nope, it ain't it. This is, what, this is the life of Nick Miller. It is just hectic up here, okay? Nope, it's not it. Start over. I feel like this was just pressing on my heart. What is the enemy most terrified of? First and foremost, he is most terrified of the second coming of Christ. But I think he is deathly afraid of the believer that walks in his or her assignment. The enemy is terrified of the believer that walks in the assignment that Christ has for them. He's terrified of it. He can't stand it. And he'll do everything he can to stop you from walking in your assignment, your heavenly call the season that you're supposed to step into, he'll do everything he can to divert your course and get you out of that assignment. Why? We'll discover why. But that's what his goal is. He wants to ruin your assignment. So we did steal, steal your worship, kill, kill your connection. Last week was a great conversation on killing your connection. And this week is destroy your assignment. Destroy your assignment. I hear this comment all the time. Nick, I don't know what I'm good at. I, my whole being cringes inside when I hear that. Because you are so intricately made, so wonderful and beautiful in every way. How could you deny that there is not a gifting, nor a talent, nor a call inside you? I know it might not be discovered right now, or maybe you're feeling discouraged in life, or maybe you had these plans and they didn't go out your way, but there is a calling and a gifting over every person in this room. Everyone. And in fact, that I can't do anything, that is solely a lie from the enemy that we have to stop saying. You can say, I'm hurt and I've been discouraged, but I'm going to keep pressing on. But don't say that you can't do anything. Each person in this room has a specific call in their life. I look at, uh, and, and we're getting in preparation mode for Appalachia. Hey, we got Appalachia coming up. You know, my dad is an incredibly gifted carpenter, and then he took that gifting and has committed his life to service and going down and rebuilding homes for people who cannot build it on their own. People who are, are living in poverty literally have holes in their roof. And he goes down and he rebuilds it. That's the calling. That's the gifting. That's a beautiful thing. Dad, I love you. You're awesome. But you have a specific call in your life. Just because it's not this thing doesn't mean you don't have a call. Seriously. A lot of the church is convinced that if you don't hold a microphone and you don't have an awesome message and blah, 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 then you're not cool and it's not working. No, no. That's a lie. That's a lie. Each of you, it writes, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. This is Peter talking in 1 Peter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Someone say others. 
This is where sometimes we get it twisted because we use our gift to serve ourselves. That's where we get messed up. That's where we get messed up. It's all about people. It's all about glorifying God. It's all about elevating others. It's not about me. Never will be. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Do you know what grace is? Everyone, sometimes people view um, grace as like a I get out of jail free card or God's gift of eternity. Do you know what else grace is though? It is great. Grace is God's empowerment in you. It is an empowering agent for you to do what you're called to do. Paul says, I've been graced to preach the gospel. In other words, empowered to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Grace is an empowering agent. Stewards of God's empowering agent in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. That is one of the most sobering statements for me. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Yeah, our strength is not our own. Amen. So that in all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory. Someone say glory. And the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So you have a calling. You have a gifting. But Nick, where does purpose and what's the difference between calling? Again, I use the word assignment. Someone say assignment. I'm going to give you a little bit of, of, of theological context here today. Purpose is eternal. Assignment is seasonal. Okay? Can you put this up there, please? Purpose is eternal. Assignment is seasonal. Your purpose is always the same. Never ending. Your purpose will never change in your pursuit of Christ. Your assignment, though, has changed. I've been youth pastor throwing kids, or not throwing kids, throwing pies in kids' face. I didn't throw kids. <laughs> Maybe. Um, anything can happen at youth. It's so much fun. Assignment is seasonal. I've been a youth pastor. Dad. I wasn't a dad before. Now I am. Now I got two kiddos. My goodness. They didn't tell you what's up. You can never prepare enough for that. Some people, some of y'all have like five kids. I don't know what happened in your life. Goodness. Assignment. You have an assignment changing jobs, maybe a different location. You can look at all throughout the scriptures, Paul and all of these disciples, especially the early apostles, they had an assignment to go and preach in different regions. So there's assignments. Someone say assignment. Assignment is seasonal. Right now my assignment is to lead core church. One day that's probably going to change. Mm, yeah, it will change. We're building a 500 year church. Assignment is seasonal. So what is our purpose then? Purpose is simply this. It is really this basic and this simple. Our purpose, each and every person in this room, is to glorify God. I read an interesting commentary though. It is not just your action. It's not about just your action and your call to glorify God. You know that everything, period, glorifies God. Has anyone ever walked and seen the Grand Canyon and been like, oh, wow. Everything gives glory to God. Everything. See these mountains, you see this ocean. I was on a cruise, you can't see the end. You're like kind of terrified, but like, wow, God's big. I don't like the ocean at all. No, no, no. But you're like, whoa, God is really massive. 
everything glorifies God. Look at what Paul says, uh, Philippians 1. As it, as it is, my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. I pray that for you too. That you would never be ashamed of the gospel. That you would never be ashamed of your faith in Christ. Amen? The world actually needs, the world actually needs believers to be unashamed in this season. That secret Christian life, that closet Christian life is over. It has to be done. Not be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored, glorified, lifted up, revered in my life, in my body, whether by life or by death. In other words, what he's saying, in everything I do, God is honored above all else. Everything I do. Everything I do, he is honored, revered, and glorified. Do you know, even Jesus glorifies the Father. Let's look at this. He's praying. His life is coming to an end. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. In other words, lift him up, glorify him, okay? So that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority. There's that word. I love that word. Authority over all people that he might give eternal life. That he might give eternal life to those you have given him. I want to break down this statement. You see, his purpose is to glorify God. Did you hear his assignment? Look at his assignment. For you've granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. That's his assignment, church. His purpose, glorify God. Assignment, go and save the world. So what is assignment? Assignment is the way in which you do. You've been called to glorify God. It's going to look different, and it's going to look very unique for different people. You might get an assignment to be in public office. We just prayed over that. I love that. You might be in an assignment to be a stay-at-home mom and raise up the next generation fiercely. I hate when people say, just stay at home. No, 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 no. That is the greatest calling. My goodness. My goodness might be starting businesses that will revolutionize the way the world works, all for the glory of God. Assignment is how we glorify Him. I love how it leaves this in Colossians 3. There's a little bit of like unknownness, a little bit of ambiguity. So whether you, or yeah, whatever you do, I'm reading ahead. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your assignment is, it's going to look different for you. It's going to look different for me. It's going to look different for you. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians. You can put this up here. Yep. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the what? Glory of God. You're going to have a different assignment. Whatever it is that you do, it's going to glorify him. Amen, church? Good. So we have that distinction. Purpose is unchanging. It is eternal. It is to glorify God. Assignment is seasonal. There's going to be different things that go through our life. There's going to be different ways in which we glorify God, different calls and opportunities that we say yes to. So here's a good question. Back to the statement. The enemy is terrified of the believer that walks in their assignment. So what happens when you operate in your assignment? Sometimes, again, I said it a little bit earlier, we read the word and we think that can't happen or that happened back then. Church, I see a revival coming. Things are moving. and We got to get ready. And I believe that people are going to operate in their assignment. 
Look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 16. Please, if you got your Bible, go ahead. We love the book here, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Matthew, Mark. And Mark chapter 16. Mm. Oh, I'll tell you, after, after reading this a little bit, uh, this has become one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It really has. He said to them, this is Mark chapter 16, what verse is this? 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. This is the charge to, to the disciples. You are a disciple of Christ. So this is a charge to you. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So we're going to be, be um, reaching the lost. Okay? And these signs will accompany those who believe. Well, pay attention here. These signs will accompany those who are following me, who believe in the way, the truth, and the life. Oh boy, this is pretty interesting in these next few words. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, please don't like put it to the test, folks, okay? Like, we don't need to put it to the test, all right? But it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Someone say amen. amen. Yeah, we're going to see that in church. But look at how it ends. So Jesus isn't just saying, he's not just saying these awesome, powerful words. He actually confirms, he confirms what he said. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. Someone say, worked with them. Worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. In other words, they did speak in different tongues. They did drive out demons. Someone say, ooh. They did drive out demons. They did heal people. They did preach the gospel and see people saved and baptized. They did. Did you catch that drive out demons part though? You see why the enemy's terrified of those who operate in their assignment? Because he's going to confirm it and he hates it. The enemy hates it. When you operate in your assignment, I wrote this down, you glorify God and shame the devil. When you operate in your assignment, you glorify God and you shame the devil. You thwart his plans. You stop him and halt him in everything he's trying to do. He's terrified of the believer that walks in assignment. And so here's the ultimate question, right? We're in our series scheming, right? Someone say scheming. We're in our series scheming. So here's a good question for you and me. What is the enemy going to do to you to prevent this from happening? What is he going to do to you to prevent you from walking in your assignment? What is he going to do to prevent you from walking in your assignment? I wanted to really focus on some of the things that Jesus had said and some of the things that Jesus had done so that we can see, so that we can see a, a, a life of being on assignment. And in essence, I want to say it like this. Jesus displays to us what a life of assignment is going to look like and the attacks from the enemy that come. He would never tell you to do something without he himself doing it first and without equipping the believer to be able to do what he tells them to do. In other words, if he says go and preach the gospel, he's going to equip you to preach the gospel. If he tells you to pray for that person, he's going to give you the words to pray. He's going to equip you 
for what he's calling you to do. We can put this up here. I want to look at what, what Jesus is doing, and this is an incredible. Go in Matthew chapter 8, if you got your Bible again. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, okay? This is a story about, again, talking about scheming. This is a story about Jesus casting out demons from two men. <gasps> Scary. Also, the more that we talk about this series, has anyone found that you're seeing this more in your Bible time? You're like, whoa, the enemy is like talked about quite often, okay? He, he arrives, when he arrived at the other side in the region of uh, Gadarenes, I don't know how to say it, you'll figure it out. Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. That sounds a lot like the enemy. So violent that no one can even be near. What do you want with us, son of God? Isn't that interesting? Demons can actually call him by his name. They know who he is. Demons know who, the enemy knows who he is. I, I said the other week that the enemy is the greatest student of the word of God. Okay? They were so violent, no one could pass. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Do you see how terrifying it is to the enemy when a man, especially Christ, walks on assignment? That word terrified, look at his verbiage, terrified, tortured, are you going to torture us? The enemy and his army, they are terrified of Christ walking with a heavenly assignment. They ran out, why are you here? Please not yet. No, no, no. They begged. Look at what it says. Some distance uh, from them, uh, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus. Don't end us right here. Not right now. Not right now. Don't end us right here. Will you just drive us and send us into this herd of pigs? I understand you want us out of these two men, but, but don't, don't end us. They were terrified. They begged for their life. And, and look, Jesus doesn't even seem to, like, acknowledge them. He doesn't even seem to, like, give them the time of the day. He's just like, go, whatever. Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, into the lake and died in the water. This is where the story gets interesting, and I want to encourage you guys as believers. Again, if you feel like this isn't going to be a part of your life, the casting out demons and the healings and speaking in tongues, and if you don't think that that is what's going to happen as the life of a believer, again, study the scriptures. You have a choice. You can sit here and say, no way, that can't happen. Or you can take God at his word. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. I want to share this with you because here's what's going to happen when you operate in your assignment. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him, someone say, to leave. To leave their region. I wrote this down. And this is overwhelmingly true and found all throughout the scripture. Many people will not like those who are on a heavenly assignment. If you think that this Christian thing is going to win you a popularity contest, it's really not. And in fact, your life at times, the way you operate and the Holy Spirit working in and through you is going to make people pretty uncomfortable. What did Paul say though? I'm not ashamed. They kicked 
Jesus out, the Savior of the world. They kicked him out of the town. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. We can't handle this. It's scary. It's too scary. Ooh, weird. Kicked him out. Do you know how much freedom could have been found in that place? Do you know how much healing could have been found in that place? Do you know how many people ultimately could have been healed salvation, like salvically? People could have found their life in Christ, eternal life. They kicked him out because it got a little crazy. These things will happen. Jesus says it will. It will. And so not only does this happen to Jesus, and not only, not only um, is Jesus the one that's casting out demons, but we also see that many disciples and apostles and believers did it as well. And so I wrote this down. The enemy will tremble as you walk on assignment. The enemy will tremble as you walk on assignment. But you're only walking on assignment only by a power that is higher than and within us. You're not just great because you're great. And you're not just powerful because you're powerful. You're powerful because the Holy Spirit is within you and operating in power. In essence, Christ is in you. That's why you're doing these things. You, however, it says in Romans 8, if you don't believe it, read Romans 8. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God can live in you. Christ can be in you. That's the power by which we operate and walk on assignment. Amen, church? And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, this is a theological statement, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So then there's a lot of controversy over the church. How do I know I'm filled with the Spirit? And there's a lot of questions that go along with this. How do I know the Spirit is within me? Ephesians says that the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing of what is yet to come. When you, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you are saved. Some will say, I am saved. Yeah. Well, Nick, doesn't it say baptism? Yeah. It is belief first. Baptism is absolutely a requirement for the believer. But notice in Mark chapter 16, it says those who don't believe will be condemned. It doesn't say those who don't believe and are baptized will be condemned. So in other words, there's a little bit of openness and understanding, a little bit of room for us to kind of gather thoughts. But essentially, if you believe in Christ, you are saved. Baptized is something that every believer should do. Someone say Good Friday. We got baptisms going on Good Friday. And uh, like, like Philip and the eunuch, Philip was preaching and teaching this eunuch in this chariot. And uh, he taught him the gospel. And the eunuch was like, hey, man, there's a lake over there. You want to just go get baptized? You ain't going to get baptized in that. He's like, okay, let's go get some water. If you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting for? 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 It's a requirement. Don't wait. Get in the water. So, anyways, I know I'm diverting all over the place, blah, 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 blah. Okay, the Spirit of God, if it's in you, God lives in you. That's amazing. It's deposit guaranteeing of what is yet to come, and it's going to empower you. The Holy Spirit in you is going to empower you to fulfill your assignment. Nick, how am I going to do this? Can I tell you this? I don't feel like I, oh, my goodness. Um, I don't feel like I have any qualifications, any, any capability of doing this. Yes, I practice. Yes, I, I put a lot of effort into studying and researching and making sure that these words are, are 
or his word and not mine. I try as much as I can, but I am not strong enough to do this. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that, that this is rolling. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that for you too. That in your assignment, I pray that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you're called to do. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But you will receive power. Someone say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, uh, you'll be preaching the gospel all across the world. That sounds a lot like Mark chapter 16, huh? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And that's the only way that you're going to fulfill your God-given assignment. Through no power of your own so that you may boast. No. No. It's only by the power of God within you that you fulfill your assignment. So, all right, Nick, we talked about Jesus. Of course Jesus can do it because he's God, right? Good. Let's talk about Peter. Peter receives a specific assignment. Do you know what the assignment is? To lead, build, and establish the early church. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 16 on this rock. Build your church, right? Hey, come on now. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, that also means that the gates of hell will try, but they won't win, because we stand on the winning side of what is seen and unseen. The gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, I will give you the power to bind on earth and in heaven. And whatever you bind or loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, you receive your assignment. Go and build the local early church. Do you know what the enemy then did? The enemy knew that Peter was going to build the church, and he had to stop his plans. Why did he have to? Because God said Peter would build the church. The enemy knew that he was going to do it. The enemy knew that he was going to do it, that Peter was going to disrupt the kingdom of darkness. God said he would do it. And the enemy then had to do something about it. I, uh, I received a, <laughs> this is one of the, uh, I went to a pastor's conference and uh, one of the pastors had a prophetic word for me. And I was like, yes, I'm really excited. Prophetic words, oh, it's going to be awesome. You're going to do awesome, amazing things. You know what he said to me? He said, Nick, you ever read Luke chapter 22? I'm like, no. Luke chapter 22. He said, uh, I feel in a similar way that Peter was told that the enemy was going to sift him like wheat. That's going to happen to you too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, bummer. I don't need it. I don't need it. He had to do something about it. The enemy had to do something about Peter. And here's the thing. The enemy cannot harm you. Look at Job. God put a hedge of protection around Job's life. It was when the enemy came and, and talked with him. Then God said, go ahead and test him. It won't work. My son will remain faithful. So the enemy, constant. this is crazy. The enemy has to go to God and say, hey, can I get this guy? Can I go after him a little bit? Cannot hurt him. He cannot kill him. You can try everything you want. And the sifting is actually a good thing. I'm not a, a farmer. I don't even know if that's the word. <laughs> but the shaft, is that what it's the shaft? It separates essentially what is good from that which is bad. That's what sifting does. It lets you know the broken areas of your life. Look at what it says here. You can please put this up. Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you. He's talking about all the disciples. So that means you too. 
Yay, bummer. All of you is weak, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus was, was telling them, hey, you're going to go, and, and when the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times, and bummer. But you're going to return, and you're going to strengthen your brothers. The enemy's going to shake and sift you and see if you're going to fall through or not. See if you're going to survive. He's going to shake everything. The enemy is going to do all that he can to shake you from your assignment. Peter goes on to say, I'm with you to the very end, man. I'm, your, I'm like your ride or die. I'm your bro. Like if someone fights you, I'll fight, I'll fight back. You know what I mean? You ever play on like a sports team and like if someone throws a punch, we all go in? That's what Peter said. He flopped. He's going to do everything he can to shake you. He's going to do everything he can to shake you knowing that if Peter truly walked in his assignment, that the church would be established and the gates of hell would not be able to overcome it. The enemy had to go after this guy. Had to. Had to. The enemy's gonna try to go after you. And so, as we progress on, and here's where the schemes come in. How does the devil try to destroy our assignment or take us away from our assignment? What are some of the things that he does? Over the course of this past series, we've talked about so many different and various schemes of, of the enemy. We talked about distraction, right? There's so many different things that the enemy does. He has unclean spirits, too, that he uses to go and demonize and hurt people, right? So many different things. But I wanted to talk specifically a little bit about Peter and Jesus' life that I saw. Someone say comfort. I think if the enemy... Uh, I think the enemy rejoices most when the believer is comfortable. I believe he rejoices most when you're just comfortable, when you're just casual, mediocre, complacent. But it's nice and easy. Do you know what Peter does after he's been sifted and after he falls? Later on in the book of John, it says this. Afterward, Jesus, this is John chapter 21 if you're taking notes. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, someone say Peter. Thomas, also known as Didymus, and Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Before you put this up there, do you know what they were doing? They went back to fishing. They were discouraged. They were shaken. And you know what he said? <laughs> I feel this all the time, too. I'll be honest. Whenever you're under attack or whenever things are getting real chaotic, sometimes you're like, I just wish I can go back to 2004. Take me back. I was playing GameCube. I'm good. He went back to his occupation before his call. He went back to what the world told him he was going to do, not what God told him he was going to do. But it was comfortable. He knew how to fish. I kind of got this. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Also understand that whenever you, oh, this is so big. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say it. Understand that if you do cast aside your assignment for comfort, you're going to encourage others to do that as well. Yeah, you're going to encourage others to be comfortable as well. 
So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Bummer. Yeah. They caught nothing. But they went back to what was comfortable. Is the enemy trying to get you back to your comfort zone? This course is going to be, is not going to be easy. God does not promise sunshine and rainbows. He really doesn't. John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome it. It is going to be a troublesome journey, but it's going to be fruitful. Amen? So avoid comfort. I've gotten to this place where I pretty much, I pretty much pursue anything outside of comfort. Do you know that? I try to. I'm not perfect at it. But any moment of uncomfort, I'm like, yep, all in. All in on it. There was this, uh, there was this meeting amongst churches, and um, I'm, I'm younger than a lot of the local pastors. I know I'm younger than a lot of the local pastors, and they asked me to lead in with prayer. And I'm like, amongst all of these, like, big heads, like, amongst all of these guys who've been doing this for 30-plus years, you want me? Little me to pray? All right. I'll do it. And then you know what? The pastor said, Nick, start singing, too. I was like, all right, I'll start singing too. It's uncomfortable, but I'll take that step every day. It's, it's the only way to do it. Comfort kills. Comfort kills calling. Second one is this. This is pretty funny. Discomfort. So what are some of his schemes that he uses to take you out of your assignment, destroy your assignment, and take you out of the game? Discomfort. So, uh, someone say Stako. Stego. Uh, you know, you know, the church, the church forgets about this word steadfastness and standing firm. And at any sign of resistance or trouble, we bow out. Oh, it's too hard. Nope. And the enemy knows that. And so if he can just make you a little bit uncomfortable, then you'll stop. At any sign of resistance, you'll cease what you're doing. Oh, I got a negative comment on my Instagram. Delete the post. Like, it's like that, it's like that small. Like, we really get that defeated. Or someone posts something, we make a comment, and everyone starts bashing us, and we bow out. Oh, yep. First of all, you shouldn't have even commented in the first place. I'm just going to say that. Um, but we, 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 we crack under pressure, and we bow out. And uh, I, I, think, I think I look at the early church and all I see are people who push through the most uncomfortable seasons of life. Do you know that there was, there was um, oh my gosh, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? There was an emperor, Constantine. There was an emperor early in Rome who hated Christians, despised Christians. You know what he would do? If you professed your faith out in the streets, they had people find you, and he actually, like, this is really, this is really disgusting. He hated them. He would uh, persecute them, chase after them. He would put them in jail, all of these types of things, but he would find some of them, and during his dinner events, he would tie them onto a pole and light them like candles. And so what Christians had to do is they had to go and hide. Do you know where they preached the gospel at that time? They went in catacombs where people were dead to preach the gospel. We get upset if there's like a little dust on the floor. They were preaching amongst dead, rotting people. They still did it. 
That's the type of persecution. We're not familiar with that. We're actually really upset if Starbucks doesn't give us our coffee the right way. I get upset when the internet doesn't load quick enough. We haven't faced discomfort like that. The enemy's going to shake, and he's going to try doing things, and he's going to try being, making things very uncomfortable. Do you know that the Word of God actually promises persecution? Someone say persecution. Sorry, it's actually a promise. It's a thing that all believers will experience. You will experience persecution of some, of, of, some, of some way, shape, or form. You will experience persecution. Look at what it says. You can put this up here. This is in Acts chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, all religious leaders, people who should have been kind and religious. They came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were presenting the gospel, sharing the truth of Jesus. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You know what they did? They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail on the next day. A lot of us would be like, eh, I'll stay quiet now. Mm, I don't need to go to jail. I'm good. I got an appointment to make tomorrow at 9 a.m. I, I can't go to jail tonight. Can you imagine that type of persecution being picked up and thrown in jail? The enemy's going to make things very uncomfortable. And then the next day they stood up in front of those same people who threw them in jail. And they said, it is by the power of Jesus Christ that we do everything that we're called to do. And we won't stop. You can try stopping God. It's not going to work. They stood up even after being put in jail. All of the fear tactics possible. We're going to shut you down if you keep talking. Ah, we're going to keep going. So the enemy's going to try making it really uncomfortable. Don't. Don't give up. Stand firm. Someone say Staco. Yes. Third one is this, compromise. Oh, this is a big one that destroys assignment. And there are compromises that are massive, and there are compromises that are little. But in other words, it is to forego something. It is foregoing uh, the call for something that is small, maybe a distraction, maybe a promise, maybe something different that catches your eye. You give this up for this, compromise. The devil led Jesus up to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone if I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. You know what Satan is essentially saying to Jesus? He's saying, hey, look, if you just bow down, compromise just a little bit. Just say that I'm really cool. I'll give you everything you want. He's going, to offer, uh, um, uh, he's going to offer enticing things to pull us away from the assignment that we have. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord and your God and serve him only. He didn't compromise. He didn't waver. Here's all the lands of the world. You can have it all. It's all yours. Here's this enticing thing. And Jesus never compromised. Amen? Never. He actually lived a perfect life. But I want to encourage you today as well that the enemy is going to come with enticing schemes to get us to compromise where we're going. I, um, I, yeah, I'm going to say this. I went to Hillsong College. And uh, my heart's breaking right now because that church is really hurting. The leadership of that church is a little bit in shambles. And what ended up 
And this is not a foreign story. In fact, it happens a lot more than we can understand. It ended up that there was a compromise that was made and it dismantled this man's position in operation within his place of authority. One, one mistake. Mistake's happening. And he started going to alcohol a little bit too much and all of a sudden he had a problem. And this man who was leading the church, literally integral part of, of raising me up and teaching me and growing me in my life and my call, stress came in everything going on, like the, the, the stress of leading a mega church. I'm talking like churches all over the world, thousands and thousands and thousands of people attending their church. It can be crazy. And a moment of compromise removed him from that position quicker than he could ever imagine. 39 years of selfless service. Gone. And that is... Um, I pray for the church that it would continue to grow, that the gossip would stop, that we would actually be praying for Pastor Brian, that we would actually stand in, 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 in a place of gratitude for Pastor Brian. A lot of these songs that we sing come from their church, songs that we've met Jesus to. And then all of a sudden this gossip comes in and we start trashing and, 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 and throwing insults at him and not lifting him up and praying for him. It's a moment of compromise, and you can lose it quick. I said it before. It starts with one Instagram direct message, and it can sweep you. That one person who says the one nice thing that you might not have heard from your spouse for about a year and a half, gone, trapped. You bit. Please don't compromise. Someone say, don't compromise. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. And it is one of the hardest things. It is one of the hardest things you'll do on your course. It is one of the most difficult things to stay true. It really is. That's why it's called the narrow gate. That's why it's called the narrow gate. Lastly, one of the enemy's tactics on, on dis, or, or, or destroying our calling or pulling us from our calling is this. Simply put, attacks. Anyone ever felt like they've been under attack? Like things are just raining and pouring. What the heck is happening? Understand that sometimes it's in the natural. Sometimes, I said this last week, sometimes you woke up late and you're just stressed. Listen to your alarm next time. But there are just other times where it just poof, 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 and it just hits, hits, hits. And you're like, oh my gosh, like what is happening to my life? What is going on around me? The enemy has an army and he's going to use them for his plans. And they're going to try dismantling you and attacking you and going after you with everything they've got. Thank goodness we have a God who is known as a mighty defender and a fortress. That's very intentional. A wall around you. I love it. I bring up the, the scripture again. Satan, or Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. That means there's going to be attacks. There's going to be shaking. There's going to be things that are out of your control that are just bouncing left and right and throwing you around real harshly. There are going to be attacks. We can't avoid it. Like we said in week one, though, we can put on the full armor of God so that we may be able to stand firm. Amen? Yeah. But I, I look at a room... I get really excited about talking about this topic. I know there's times where it's a little bit scary, maybe a little bit crazy. I actually get really excited about this, but 
but hear me out. I, I envision a room of hundreds of believers living in assignment. And can you imagine how powerful that would be? Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Everyone full tilt running after this on assignment. Strong, strengthened in the word. Putting on the full armor, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. My goodness, this is going to be an unstoppable force. A force that is true, unwavering. And it's going to bring the lost home, amen. It's going to glorify God, amen. May the way that we operate, especially on assignment, may we never do it for us or for the awesomeness of a cool brand of church. It's not for that sign out there with a cool heart. That's not why we do this. It's not so that Nick Miller's really cool. No, 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 it's not about that. It's so that God is glorified, amen? When we start operating like that, the enemy is gonna be terrified. I love this. Can you put this last scripture up? It's back at the very beginning again. Go ahead, yep. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, and I would say these same words, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You have a specific gift over your life. You have an amazing call. You're gonna glorify God in such a unique way, and the enemy's gonna do everything he can to try to dismantle that. But someone say, no, you cannot touch that calling. I'm gonna walk straight and narrow. The enemy is terrified of the believer that walks in the assignment that Christ has for them. Amen, church? Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray, and we're going we're gonna to worship in a moment, but let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that each and every person in this room who hears my voice has a specific call over their life. And if there's any whispers against that fact, I call it that fact, that that thought, that, that fear, that anxiety, that lie that says I can't do anything, that has to go in Jesus' mighty name. Someone say it has to go. It has to go in Jesus' mighty name. God, each and every person here is created uniquely and beautifully by you. You crafted them to do incredible things. You prepared the good works for them to do. Thank you, Jesus, that there's an incredible calling over each and every person in this place. If there's someone here who doesn't know what that calling is in you, God, I pray over this week that you would speak to their heart, show them their future, show them visions, give them dreams, inspire their heart, and do something fresh in their life to reinvigorate those passions that may have been lost or the passions that are yet ahead. Thank you, Jesus, that every person has a calling and they're going to walk in it worthy of the life that you've called them. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone in this room, and I want to offer one last a last group to pray for. Is there anyone in this room who does not or has not yet given their life to Jesus? In other words, he wants to be your Lord and Savior. That's why he came. That's why this week exists. Palm Sunday. He went on this journey so that he could be in relationship with you, save you, rescue you, defeat the enemy so that you may live free, free here on earth, but also in life everlasting. And all you simply have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in, uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. In other words, you give Him authority over your life. You turn away from your past and you walk with Him into your future, into the future ahead of you on earth and everlasting. Jesus died, but He rose again, defeating the enemy. If you believe that, you can give your life to Him and start that journey with Him here today. Does anyone in this room need to make that decision? I want to encourage you. Believers are praying for you faithfully. People are, are, are praying for you right now. If you need to make that decision, you can go ahead and throw your hands up on the count of three as an outward way of saying, Nick, I need Jesus, and I'm ready to walk with him for the rest of my life. Go ahead and go for it. One, two, 
Don't miss this moment. Three. Do you need to make that decision in this place? I see that hand. Anyone else need to make that decision in this place? Yeah, I see that hand. I see it. That's awesome. Anyone else? You're not alone. Come on. Does anyone else need it? Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand, just pray this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you died and rose again to set me free. You came in the flesh, died and rose again to set me free so that I may have life, life, and more life. I turn away from my past. I repent of the things that I've done in in the past. Thank you for the forgiveness that your son and your blood brings. And God, I'm ready to step into the future and all that you have for me. Let me walk into eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus for being my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Someone say scheming. That's it. That's the end of the series. If you have any questions, I know we covered a lot of tough topics. You can come and talk with us after service and we can walk you through some stuff. But before we leave today, can we stand and can we worship our God with everything we've got? I love worship.